Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So we're doing, it's been a while since we've done an Ask Me Anything. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it because I have so many interesting questions for you. Good. <laughs> are, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. I hope you are. So first one out of the, out of the bat, um, should I get another COVID booster? I think I had my last one maybe in the springtime or so, yeah. early spring. Yep, that's probably, um, if you got it right when you were around when you were eligible, um, then that tracks. Um, yes, so definitely should be getting boosters. Um, everyone's sick of COVID, and then I've lost, I've given up any, like, motivation to try to convince um, the people who are, like, staunch um, anti-COVID vaccine people, because it's just, you know, so we'll... Take those. Yeah, take it's that. too it's too politicized at this yeah. point. It's, and it's they, too those... polarizing, and it's I feel like it just breeds like negative feelings on all ends. So, now, question for you before you jump into the the yeah. why you should get a booster: Are those people also opposed to the flu shot, or not necessarily? Um, you'd be surprised how few people get the flu shot every year, anyways. Um, so, mm. usually the people who are not getting the COVID vaccines have now become um anti-flu vaccine um as well people as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. no one's poking them with anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly gotcha okay um so why should why should we get the, the 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 new covid booster well this one i say is even more important than the last booster um we got because if people remember getting boosted and the booster you know it did great at preventing severe infection. There's plenty of data. You can't dispute it. Um, but it didn't do that great at preventing you from getting infected because we were seeing all the different Omicron um, variants and subvariants. And our booster was for the original um, COVID strain, which changed significantly. So yes, it helped us from getting significantly sick, which is the ultimate goal of the vaccine. Um, but people were still getting infected. Like it didn't really matter if you had your booster or not, as far as if you were going to get, you know, yeah. infected. And that led a lot of people to believe, oh, this, you know, yeah. why am I getting boosted? It doesn't do any good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this one um, is a bivalent booster. So it has part of it is the original strain and part of it is the Omicron variants. It's BA4 um, and BA5. So they did both because, um, you know, the evidence shows um, and theoretically that you get a more robust response um, with both of the boosters. And the idea is that it's going to protect you much better against any of the, you know, uh, subsequent Omicron type variants. But also if it, if it shifts again completely, you'll get better protection, you know, to different spike proteins. So they call it bivalent because there's the two different um, types of strains. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, it is, I mean, we've given hundreds of millions of doses, hundreds of millions of COVID vaccines, um, and it is exceedingly safe. So I don't, I'm, the other thing I'm, I don't usually go down is trying to convince somebody that it's safe mm -hmm. at this point. It's either you understand the science and you understand, um, you know, and you're not thinking of, it in a political sense and you're not being taken down a rabbit hole of misinformation um, or you're the opposite and you just can't can't convince these people um, you can't um, 
And it's hard because again, for the most part, with the exception of the handful of who, who just like to be adversarial, most people are, are just doing what they think is right. So they're so um, kind of in tuned or in quote unquote brainwashed by what they're reading and seeing. And they say the same things about people who get the vaccine. So it's very, it's, un, it's just a crazy like social experiment kind of thing. But regardless, for those who are still on board, um, you should get it. Um, as long as it's been two months from your previous booster. Um, so let's say you got your last booster two months ago, I would get this one just because you're getting much broader protection. If you have recently had COVID, wait two months um, because you have good um, protection there. Some people will say three months, um, but it gives you a um, huge advantage as we head into um, what's likely certainly to be another upswing um, because we just kind of follow Europe usually um and they're seeing the rise in cases and it's flu season coming up and it's getting colder and And people are left people aren't wearing masks anymore exactly yeah Yeah. so not even asking people to wear masks um but it will give you protection against severe infection through yeah you know what people lose track of is is and i think it's you know actually i'm not a hundred percent sure of the of the this statistic but um you know it's like 400 people a day die either due to covid or with covid currently we're still averaging 90,000 infections a day with 475 deaths in the united states a day yeah so my question around the deaths is it deaths with COVID or due to COVID? You know how that, that is like people get admitted to the hospital yeah. for heart you well, know, attack so, and right. they find out they have COVID as well. Yeah. So. so this is not, it's not that, but you could have COVID and get admitted to the hospital because you're, you have COPD and your COPD plus COVID, you're just not strong enough to fight it. Right. So it's, it's not, it's not perfect. Right. You can't say, um, you know, exactly what, ultimately it's either COVID itself can absolutely kill people, kills people every day, no other medical conditions. It's just COVID. But then there's people who have underlying medical problems that get exacerbated by um, a COVID infection and, or a weakened immune system um, that causes, you know, multi-organ failure. So it's, it's both. So, and that's like, and people like to fight that one. And it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, like, and if right, it's not, the same thing. If if again, like you you had the flu and it exacerbated, right. you know, right. some some lung problem you had, or you right. know, yeah, okay. So we don't we don't have to kind of debate that too much. So how are you feeling going into flu season? Does it sound like it's going to be? You know, we've we've had some very mild flu seasons yeah. as of late. So and I remember last year we were still being pretty careful because we were there was an up tick in cases with Omicron um, and everyone started to kind of get a little bit more nervous again. And we had an amazing flu season in 2020 and 2021 was really not bad at all. Um, And that was because, you know, people weren't around each other as much and all these mitigating things that worked to help bring COVID down also help keep you from getting the flu. So it's, it's common sense. Right. Um, And 
I mean, Sophia, I remember Sophia's uh, daycare class was the kids were wearing masks um, once they got into the winter time because they had a couple of COVID cases. So then the kids were wearing masks, but I don't foresee that happening ever mm-hmm. again. Right. Um, so that's going to probably go back to a regular kind of flu season or worse and worse because usually most of us are exposed to influenza and it kind of boosts our immune system against influenza as we see it each year. But if you haven't seen it as much, then you're that much, your body's that much less prepared, you know, to go after it. And then there's the influenza. I mean, just the way that it works hits the old and the young um, Mm -hmm. very classically. Again, plenty of otherwise completely healthy middle-aged young adults, whatever, um, do die of influenza every year but it's quite rare, rare, but it happens because of that over robust immune response mm-hmm. thing that happened mm-hmm. with COVID. Um, but with influenza, it's the very young and the very old, whereas with COVID, the very young, we've not really been super concerned about, but the influenza is always scary for the little ones. And we've got the one-year-olds, two-year-olds and three-year-olds who've never really seen any influenza. flu. Yeah. Yep. Yep, so good point. Yep. There's a big concern there. And then there's the concern of the coexisting viruses, you know, as we see that Europe's going to is increasing. Um, and if we've got COVID uptick and influenza, because we usually um, look for trends um, with the part of the world that's in flu season when we're in the summertime. I uh, gotcha. Um, yeah. The, so the Southern hemisphere, let's say when we're, yeah. yeah. So it, ours follows pretty closely to that and theirs were on track to be kind of typical. Um, so get your flu shot. And that's another one. That's just like, it's such a painful um, <laughs> thing to talk about. <laughs> no one wants to get it. And I get it. Like I don't ever get the flu terribly. You know, like I don't get really sick from the flu. It's kind of annoying to go make the appointment and get, you know, stuck with the shot. It's annoying to take your kids because they don't like shots. But it's like, do you do you provide uh, either flu or um, booster shots, COVID booster shots? I don't practice? because they don't give them to us or to me for free. Um, so patients would have to pay and all of these pharmacies, grocery stores and everywhere have easy online signups and free shots. So can you get your, can you get them on the same day? Yes, you can get them on the same day. Actually, uh, my Dominic and Tally, my brother and sister-in-law just got theirs these last few days and got them together. They call them the flu boo, the, the influenza, influenza the f- and booster uh, flu boo. <laughs> Okay, I need a flu boo myself. So yeah, I know, but this is a good time to do it. You're not late or anything because I usually tell people the flu shots come out usually early September and usually try to get them by the end of October. And waiting till October is usually a good idea, just because flu season can last until like April. Um, Yeah, you want it to you want it to kind of continue to work through the duration of the flu season. Gotcha. but yeah, I'm expecting a lot, a lot more, um, you know, of that typical influenza. I mean, I remember a couple bad flu season years and it's so interesting because I remember years, even pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, there would be just rough flu seasons. And then like, and 
the next year or two years later, it would be like, oh, everyone's getting the flu, but it's mild, no big deal. And then it's like, oh, man, people are getting really sick. Really um, sick. Yeah, we're, so we're due really for know. one of those. Both influenza and COVID are extremely unpredictable, and you don't know how bad it's going to be till you have it. Have it. Yeah. So people like to roll the dice and they think that they're better off, um, you know, without being tracked with microchips and their vaccines. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, we got to move on to something less politically that loaded than, than this one. So how about this? I've been reading um, about this so-called miracle weight loss drug, um, semaglutide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's, I don't know if, I don't think that's the brand name for it. I don't know what the brand name is, but, um, I think it was approved for type two diabetes. Um, but, uh, they're seeing like really tremendous, um, results, uh, from people, obviously, you know, metabolic disorders, which range from, you know, obesity all the way to type two diabetes and, and fatty liver disease and what have you are, are rampant in the developed world. And, and the U S is, is no exception to that. So any sort of, and there've been these weight loss drugs that have kind of come on the market. I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember Fen Fen and, and they realized it was that that combo was killing people. Right. Um, they took it off the market. So, so what, what are your, what are your thoughts? Have, have you prescribed this for weight loss yet? Yeah. So this is actually even a little, um, what you're saying is, is all correct, but there's even a lot more um, recent options than just the semaglutide. So by and large, the weight loss medications we've had have been dangerous and not very effective. So this is, this is potentially, um, you know, life-changing and practice-changing stuff. Um, the, these are all GLP-1 receptor agonist drugs. And we've had and used GLP-1 receptor agonist drugs for type 2 diabetes for a while. Um, But we found through studies, and it takes time to like see in the long term how people do with these medications, um, that it does really well for weight loss, but particularly obesity. Um, And it's kind of closes the gap a little bit between lifestyle modification and on one end of the spectrum and bariatric surgery on the complete other end of the spectrum, because mm-hmm. in, the, in between that is people who do lifestyle changes, but it's, it's just not enough because obesity is extremely complex. Um, and, but the weight loss meds out there are either not safe or not effective. So the way that we found that these GLP one receptor agonists work is they make the stomach empty slower. So you just feel more full more often and in turn you generally eat less and create a caloric deficit and then they also signal the brain that there's food in the stomach which helps decrease appetite and craving so you make kind of better choices and you it kind of just so it's not like it's like just like attacking your fat cells and anything like that Um, right it's not it's not artificially lowering let's say um um, or if I forget the, um, the, the, uh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, it's not artificially lowering insulin levels. Insulin. Correct. Right. So that your body is more tuned to burning fat than storing right. fat. Right. It's working purely off of, uh, a, an appetite kind of, uh, modulation yep. 
path. Right. And some people cannot tolerate them. Sometimes they cause, they can cause GI upset. So nausea. Uh, I gotcha. And some people get a, a lot of nausea and generally to get these, the best effects, you're taking it at a much higher dose than you'd be taking it if you just had diabetes. And with that added, cause I have paid, I've had patients who I prescribed it for diabetes, you know, for a long time who can't take it. Uh-huh. Too much nausea. So imagine bumping that up times four. Wow. And yeah. Just not. Yeah. But what, what do you think that percentage is for, um, you know, if you're using it for weight loss of people that can't tolerate it? Is it like a significant number, like a third, let's say? I would say it's like 20 percent. 20 percent. Pretty big. It, do, you, do you have to titrate it up therefore? Yes, for that? exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then sometimes it is just short term and then you adjust to it. Um, but so the FDA approved semaglutide for the treatment of obesity alone. So this is the first time one of these, because before you could only get these medications if you had a diagnosis of type two diabetes. Um, and a lot of people who have who are overweight or obese don't have diabetes. So to pay out of pocket for this, it's like a thousand dollars a month. So they approved Wagovi, which is semaglutide, the exact same medication. Ozempic is semaglutide for diabetes essentially um, at a higher dose right? So you can rebrand it and yeah. it's for weight loss. So great. It's approved. So insurance can cover it, but almost all insurance plans do not cover weight loss medications. So yes, great. It's FDA approved. And it but works. they still are excluded. But they're still paying. It's still and that seems paid. very short-sighted um, because yeah. obesity is such a, a um, you know, causal, call it factor in a whole chronic, bunch of other disease absolutely down, downstream so oh we won't treat the obesity until it manifests it's into di- it's yeah. t- t- type 2 diabetes or heart disease or you yeah. know name your name your disorder yeah huh. and i mean it's and the evidence shows it very clearly works i mean with with weight loss or lifestyle modification the studies show a 15 percent body weight loss yeah which is That's over uh, do you know over what period of time? Um, I believe it was over a year. Yeah. Yep. I mean, 15% of your body weight is substantial. It's um, pretty big. Yep. Uh, and that's average. Yep. So yep. that's up to five times the weight loss you see with just diet and exercise plans. Um, so there's also some other ones. So there's terzepatide, which is Manjaro, which is the really good one um, that actually showed even better weight loss. That's what I was reading about. It's I, I think that's an Eli Lilly drug. Yes. Yep. Gotcha. Um, and because it's a GLP one and a GIP, it works kind of in two different ways. Um, so it's weight loss is even better. And I have a couple people, I have this one guy who um, has a lot of weight to lose um, and tries very hard. Um, he's not like, you know, he's, he's modified his diet. He's, he's always had um, pre-diabetes but he just recently just made the diagnosis of diabetes, which is an A1C of 6.5, which in his case, I told him was an amazing thing because now he can be on Manjaro, which will help his, you know, diabetes that, uh, you know, just bumped over from pre-diabetes to diabetes. And he now has access to this fantastic medication. So that's sad, but it is what it is right now. Right. So I think these will become more readily available. These will become, you know, cheaper, but right now they are extremely expensive. And actually like there's clinics in Beverly Hills 
where, you know, people who don't have obesity or diabetes are happy to pay cash prices. So these wellness clinics, you know, prescribe it. And there's a shortage. Like I've got patients who have diabetes who can't get their Ozempic because there's a shortage of it because, you know. People want to trim down, lose that last five pounds of belly fat or whatever. Yeah. But there, there it is. It is exciting just because we've had nothing that's been great for weight loss. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting. I'm, I, I didn't realize the mechanism was appetite suppressant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's that's cool. OK, we got a couple other subjects. So I'm going to move us along. Yes. Um, so um, just any insights, um, because this is all, actually I, I, I'm starting to cut down a little bit on, on the amount of wine I've been drinking lately. Um, and so I'm always interested uh, on any more information that can give me more reason to, uh, you know, cut down on alcohol. Yes. I'm probably like the wrong, not the wrong person to ask the right person to ask. Um, because I just, it just makes me feel like crap. It makes me feel like crap shortly after I'm drinking it. And it makes me feel like poisoned and death the next day. So it is. So let's, let's get this straight at the start. It's a poison. It's (laughs) alcohol is ethanol. Ethanol is just another name, you know, for the alcohol. I just feel bad. I feel bad when I'm drinking it. I, and I get tired and then I don't sleep well. And then I have like hangovers with two drinks. So I just, it's easy for you. And I don't want the calories. So I just am like, you know, I'd rather have diet Coke. Um, but there are a lot, but then, but there's plenty of people that it's a, you know, it's part of our, it's part of our like society and life. And it's not just ours. I mean, in Europe and everywhere, it's an even bigger part. So it's not wrong to drink alcohol in moderation because it's out there. It's better than, you know, some other activities you could partake in. Um, But there's no amount of it that's like good for you. Every amount of it has a, it's a toxin, right? So yeah, and all those studies that were like, oh, red wine's great for you and you got to reduce your risk of heart disease yeah. and whatever have been pretty much debunked. Yeah, know? right. So when you do it, you have to tell yourself that like, you know, this is bad. This is not good. <laughs> but if you can keep it in moderation, then you can mitigate the actual physical effects, let alone the potential addictive effects um, that can come with it. But it affects the the mind and affects the body. So in general, the, there, I, again, I tell people there's no true safe level of drinking. Um, the only true safe level of drinking is not drinking, but in general, women should have no more than one drink per day. Um, and men no more than two drinks per day. Uh, women kind of metabolize alcohol differently than men, which is that, um, difference there, but you also can't like save them up and have like, you know, seven all at one time. (laughs) Is that, it, it doesn't work that way. And, you know, there's not that many people out there who are just having one drink a day. I mean, some people do, some people really do. They just like a little glass of wine with dinner. Yeah. I think of my mom. Yeah. That's, that's kind of her gig for the most part. Yeah. And then the short-term effects of alcohol on the body, you know, it affects every, the brain, the heart, your digestive system, the kidneys, the liver. Um, so it kind of, and, because like you said, it's ethanol. Um, it slows down chemical pathways in your brain. So that's when you lose the, you know, total control. It's mood altering, all that kind of stuff when you drink, um, you know, more than just a glass. And then for the heart, your heart rate goes up. Um, your blood vessels can expand. That's why you get that kind of warm sensation. Um, 
And then the digestive tract, it gets broken down first in the stomach, which increases digestive, um, like stomach acid and can irritate the stomach lining and the small intestine and the esophagus and the colon. Um, and it is metabolized ultimately in the liver. And obviously as that, it has to work to metabolize the alcohol out of your system. And the more you overwork it with a toxic substance, the more risk you are at for liver damage. And that happens with every every drink you take, those things. And a lot of those are obviously fleeting, short-lived. Um, but if you kind of compound it with every day or most day drinking to excess, then those effects are just building and building over time. Um, and then binge drinking, which honestly, the classification of binge drinking, I believe is like three drinks in three hours or something like that. Like People, it's, people it's, a like pretty low, it's a pretty low bar. It is. <laughs> yes, people me. are like, excuse me. And it sounds so like no one wants to be called a binge drinker. Um, but most people are probably binge drinking by definition. Um, so when you drink excessively, and I'll I'll say like, you know, you know, if people go out and this is how um inevitably every year you hear about someone dying of alcohol poisoning someone at a fraternity or right you know because they just in one setting drank way too much because what that can do is cause arrhythmias or cardiomyopathies um strokes and you know usually it's cardiovascular cause when you have alcohol poisoning that then can potentially kill you but the long-term effects um which are probably the most important that people pay the least attention to because we very much live in the now. So mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. about, you know, you don't think of same thing with cigarette smokers. They're not smoking cigarettes saying that they're fine with getting lung cancer. Um, it's just, well, that if that's going to happen, I don't have to think about it right now. I can quit later kind of thing, but these are additive effects. So I've seen plenty of people who have, um, who are alcoholics who have significant um, heart disease. Um, so heart issues with their heart, you know, long-term, there's of course brain health. It will, it will shrink your gray matter and white matter, increase your risk of dementia and all that stuff. Um, liver, I, I tell some who have true um, significant alcohol problems that I'm really worried about that, dying from liver failure is horrific mm. it is a horrific thing to go through um and again we're talking with this these things we're talking about long-term true like alcoholism so i'm not trying to say like everyone who goes out on fridays and saturdays and has some drinks is going to have these things happen to them but it's just kind of like the, the yeah, well pick your pick effects. your kind of pick your poison not poison uh, yeah. but it's like yeah the 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 because it is such a, a toxin, the effects are wide ranging across right, exactly. every system in your in your body. Absolutely. And then, as you mentioned, and this is, I think, where I see it uh, most clearly is the uh, the quality of your sleep is just. Oh, yeah. Shot. Your sleep is is absolutely shot. And so many people will have their glass or two of wine because they think it helps them sleep because it helps them get drowsy. But your actual sleep that you get is hor like horrible. Yeah. Um increases risk of all kinds of different types of cancers, tons of cancers, and then decreases your bone health. So it's like nothing good about it. Okay. You've convinced me um, I, I, not to give it up, but to drink less. I, I, yeah. that's, that's, that's good. I'm sold. Okay. I feel like now, I'm going to lose what? a lot of 
any, I mean, I'm sure we don't have tons of followers, but I'm sure that my stance on these things are gonna, um, you know, she likes to vaccinate people for flu and COVID. She likes- Doesn't drink alcohol. alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. She's a wing nut, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm all about moderation. Let's move on to a more more, um, uh, happy subject. And, and one I think that, that you're um, interested in, particularly um, given that, that you just put a sauna in your house. So, so tell me, t- first tell me, um, have, you, have, you, have you been in the sauna much? Only once for me. Um, so yeah, we have a big sauna now and um, Brandon's used it a few times. He actually has done, so he uses it more frequently, but we haven't gotten to like a rhythm with it mostly yeah. because I don't have that much time. So yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, um, not exercise in place of taking 20 minutes in the sauna. So, uh, I'll have to figure out a way to make it kind of more, uh, part a of part of your routine. Yeah. yeah. But he'll sometimes even do his weights in there ah. because of the additive benefit yeah. of, doing it under extra stress yeah um but yeah yeah, there is a fair amount of data around um dry saunas um generally what we're talking about is four to seven times a week at at least 174 degrees for at least 20 minutes Um, so very frequently pretty darn hot and for a fair amount of time mm -hmm. yep so what it shows doing that over time is associated with a 50 percent lower risk of fatal heart disease 60% 60% lower risk of sudden cardiac death, 51% lower risk of stroke, 46% lower risk of high blood pressure. Um, and just one single sauna session lowers your blood pressure, improves your heart rate, um, variability, and your kind of function of your arteries. So there's, it does it in all kinds of different ways. Like it does, it causes a lot of physiological changes. Um, like it redistributes your blood flow from your core to then your skin and you start to sweat and your heart rate jumps up um, kind of similarly to moderate intensity exercise. And I'm trying to think how high my heart rate got up. I can't remember. I'll have to take note of it the next time I do it. But it definitely rose. And that's kind of ultimately where we think the benefits are coming from. A, gotcha. a mimic, a mimic of exercise. Exercise. Now I've also heard that, okay, the, the, if you, if you want to even, ratchet it up further go from the sauna to a ice bath or ice cold shower back to the sun like go go do that yeah that takes that takes um a special kind of person (laughs) special kind of crazy (laughs) i mean you gotta have a lot of um one time two um accessibility to these things yeah and um the tolerance of that as well but that's where they that, that's what when they first started seeing, you know, the the beneficial effects on health span of, of saunas, they, they they saw it in those those Nordic countries, Finland and Sweden and, right. and what they have you. They are healthier than we are. It also significantly decreases risk of um, age related diseases like Alzheimer's. So like Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, um, it also seems to decrease or push off those um those issues. So there's a lot of, a lot of benefits. You do have to, it's one of those things where it has to become part of your regular routine. Routine. Yep. Yeah. So you got to do it more than once a month. Correct. 
Okay, get into it. Hey, yeah. we, we have one more um, subject, but we've gone over. Well, uh, you can just take that one because. Um, I was thinking we can, we, can, we can save that for another podcast and do just do a podcast on that because I think it's an okay. important, important subject. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, leave everyone hanging on that. Leave one. everyone hanging on that. We're not even going to say what it's about. Just we'll do. It's our next podcast, so don't miss the next <laughs> podcast if you're listening in, right? <laughs> if you are going to continue to listen after <laughs> to this, yes, unless you've completely given up on us. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, get back to your your busy work life, uh, and I will get back to my less busy work life. How's that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Love you. Ciao. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T H E D R A N D D A D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now, the legal disclaimer this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services including the giving of medical advice, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.